Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to a post-game edition of the It's Cavalier podcast. As always, it's your boy Mac. Joining me today is my friend and co-host, Corey Walsh of Fear the Sword, as well as friend of the show, Dan Galinsky of King James Gospel. Dan, I'll go to you first, man, since you're the guest. How are you feeling after that game? I, I guess there were positive takeaways. Um, I, I thought Evan looked pretty, pretty good. Um, didn't seem that limited, but as, as they've as it's been throughout the year, just second chance opportunities for, for the opposition just just kill us at key times. And Corey, man, how's it, how you feeling, bro? Don't just don't even fake it. Just just give me your immediate reaction after this game. I I was kind of I I was fine with how the team responded to getting absolutely sucker punched in the mouth in the first quarter because this definitely was a playoff game. And you didn't want this team to come out the way they did on clay day where that was like the next closest type of atmosphere that they've played in thus far. And unlike clay day, they really made a punch back. I felt like obviously they made a punch back. They came, they had like a five to, it was like a, what, like a six point lead max at one point in the third quarter heading into the fourth. And I mean, the, we just, Really, it came down to a lot of unlucky plays and uh, decision-making that had to be made later down the stretch that I felt like is why we lost this game. But to just have to, like if you, like Dan said, you can pull positives. Mobley was fantastic today. I, I think all the voters out there should look back at this game and be like, yeah, you know what? Um, I know we just only saw Scotty Barnes for like the past Recency few weeks. Recency bias. Yeah. Yeah. Because like as long as Evan Mobley wasn't playing and Scotty Barnes was playing at the same level he's been playing at all year pretty much, which has been a very good player, I think people are just thinking automatically like, yeah, you know what, uh, Scotty Barnes is going to be the rookie of the year solely because he's showing up the class. <laughs> That's it, like participation. Yeah, Evan Mobley definitely in his return, 17 points, 7 rebounds, 3 assists, 6 of 11 from the field, 5 of 7 from the free throw line. Not bad in your first game back and having to jump right in and provide 34 minutes Against the Nets. I mean, that's a tough-ass assignment right there in itself. And to expect him to do anything more than that, nah, man, I'm, I'm perfectly if, – if there is one, like, serious positive, he is it tonight outside of DG. Yeah, I was going to say, and Darius uh, always showing up to the moment when they, we need him most. <laughs> yeah, 31 points tonight, three assists, 12-24 from the field, three assists from three, four, four from the free throw line, four – Darius and obviously the biggest takeaway from that style line is the lack of assists there were very there were some good passes out there by DG that just didn't get completed and the one I don't know if you fellas saw it that, that kind of sticks to mind to me is the pass to Lamar oh my god he threaded the knee <laughs> on that one Lamar just couldn't follow through 
if you I, see there was um an assist i think it was lebron like early years through like uh, like a no look like really similar to i think it was either z i think it was z and it looked very similar to that like and of course like it, what did lamar get like stuffed right <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah I think lamar always has these golden opportunities to just close out on like top shot level like nft plays and they just get botched and the people at nba top share are like all right i guess we have to scrap this play now we were ready to just put it in for like i don't know 99 <laughs> or whatever i yeah i also got like vibes of uh lebron to i think it was ante zizic like the when he looked away fake throw in yep. opposite direction i was just like I need a minute to just stare at this play on repeat. And it's not just talked about like whether or not we believed he was to be considered in the elite category of playmakers and facilitators. A la that Kyle Mann video, which was beautiful work again. And tonight is just another, uh, another example of that, despite the low assist number Um, that said, man, this game is just a whole lot of pain. <laughs> that's that's all it boils down to for me, just because coming into it, we know we we all knew like the more likely outcome here was a loss and to uh, bump down further in the play in. I mean, thank goodness that this team is locked in. But this was a highly important game tonight. And um I, I'm I'm walking away from this one still feeling pretty good about their chances, especially if Jared Allen is able to kind of come back here at some point before the play-in, hopefully against Milwaukee. <laughs> but that was just – that was brutal to watch, man. So, Dan, I'm going to go to you first, man. Why did the Cavs lose this game? Yeah, I think it was some miscommunications defensively, um, especially down the stretch. There were a couple times where um, it seemed like there would be weak side help, um, and then we would – wait and seemed like wait for like a rotation to a second pass and left like KD wide open, like above the break that I feel like that play kind of sealed it. Um, I think JB called a timeout. I want I want to say it made them up at like 13 or so. Um, there were a couple other plays where um, as Corey touched on there, some misses on great DG passes. Um, I don't think, well, realistically, I think foul trouble, uh, from Karras and Lowry as the game progressed um, when things started to stagnate a little, um, I think them being kind of kind of out of rhythm um, given that they had to be out for extended stretches, at least with Lowry, I think that kind of weighed on them a little bit, but uh, it, did the, did the Nets miss a free throw tonight? I feel like that was, or, like they, the, they just found a way to get to the line. It, like Patty Mills missed it. Officially, <laughs> yes. Officially, statistically speaking, Brooklyn was twenty of twenty-one from the free throw line tonight. Good for ninety-five percent. Patty Mills, baby. Thanks, Cleveland. Aussies. Conversely, uh, nineteen to twenty-four, seventy-nine percent. Which for us is like fantastic. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Good. That's good. yeah, true. What? Yeah. Uh, when I heard it, that Jetty Osmond's free throw percentage was 66, I almost threw up in my mouth. I was like, wait, it's that low? Jesus Christ. Come on, guys. insane <laughs> for a guy who is, is among the better shooting, uh, you know, uh, three-point shooters on the Cavs. That's insane. How do you not complete more free throws? Well, if the three-point line was the free throw line for Jetty, maybe he'd be a little better. But sadly, <laughs> we all know anytime he ta- takes a step inside the paint 
or inside the three point line, his uh, shot percentage drops significantly. You want to hear? I, I kind of thought that transition layup might have. I, I thought he was maybe going to smoke that. I'm not going to lie. Oh, the Rondo <laughs> pass, the outlet pass, far. Oh, that was so nice. That's like what Jetty always like. It's so weird with Jetty. Like I tell Mac this all the time. I feel like when Jetty put like he looks like he got shot out of a cannon and has no control of his legs when he goes up for those layups, and it could literally be the most beautiful touch he's you'll ever see. Or he's trying to yeah. shatter the backboard with the amount of force he puts on those. Yeah, somebody uh, was he taught a finger roll like like overseas. I don't know about that. He needs a little more of that. Yeah, I gotta work with him. I gotta go out there, <laughs> give him some pointers. One of the biggest takeaways for me tonight is, despite DG scoring 31 points, yet again, man, he's just not getting to the free throw line um, like other stars do. Took four free throws tonight. Uh, is it me or the Cavs? Man, I, I hate to do this because <laughs> I'm not making any excuses because this is a game that was perfectly within the Cavs' reach heading into the fourth quarter. But why does it – seem like these Cavaliers uh, are officiated just differently from their opponents. Because uh, the refs weren't shown in the preseason that Darius Garland was a superstar, so they don't give him the superstar package of whistles, apparently. But don't worry, next year when they look back at the tape and realize Darius is a superstar, maybe he'll start getting a little more because apparently the fourth quarter in the NBA is superstar time, and superstar time really translates to how much did the refs love you. Because yeah. that, the, the Nets were definitely getting all the calls necessary, and the Cavs, I, I, I can, I feel like everyone stands on their soapbox for every team they're a fan of and says my team doesn't get the all the calls they want. But Jesus Christ, like, do the whistles just not work? Like, are they silent when the Cavs have the possession? I'm convinced that NBA referees have made a pact, like a, a silent pact, to keep free throws out of Cleveland, away from any game that Cleveland plays in. How many non calls? were there on love like mid post looks like there was one play I think fouls was, from taking a three point. Uh, a yeah. Three point Bruce shot. Brown went like, and then took away his landing zone and they right. were like, Oh man, Kevin classic old guy can't keep his balance. That could he have been a Kawhi litter type injury. <laughs> it could have. Yeah. Well, there was also a play where he had position and went up for one of his like K love, like one arm offensive rebound things. And Bruce Brown, again, I think it was behind him, went, and JB's going, you know, I mean, JB is every call. JB's on the sideline about to have a heart attack. I'd rather my coach do that than not. Yeah, I see a lot of people complain about JB's barking at the refs. I love it. (laughs) Honestly. I'd rather it not be a Kevin Stefanski where he doesn't speak. You can clearly tell that this man is passionate about this team. Whether whether or not, whatever opinion that people have about whether or not JB is like going to be the coach that can get us over the hump, he's definitely a player's coach. You can see that. Um, he, He has these guys bought in no matter who's out there most of the time. And the fact that these calls are just blatantly – it seems blatantly obvious that some of these are not being made. And I can't – how many how many calls? I don't know if I'll top you guys' head if you know. How many of these last two-minute reports have we seen oh, at which God. Cleveland is getting screwed by some dumbass foul call not being put out there? Can I just tell, like, the NBA Twitter account or whoever is posting these stupid I reports? Think NBA, like <laughs> – I think it wants to say it's like NBA communications or NBA PR, like at NBA PR. 
I want to tell NBA communications, be like, Hey, you know, it's really, I think you're like having good intentions by sending this out, but all you're making us do is hate the brand more <laughs> by like releasing these. No one's going to see this and be like, Oh, thank God. Cause you're not changing the score. You're just saying you made a mistake and now just sit in it. I don't know, man. Like it just pisses me off to see these. Um, and I, I get it. I get the reasoning behind it. Cause the NBA wants to jump on it and clarify, Hey, we are, capable of mistakes our referees can make mistakes things of that nature but it just sucks because it's not like there's any positive outcome to any of it other than letting fans know what they already know that it was a missed call so does that potentially mean like if you have x amount of missed calls if you're like that ref does that mean you have like like x amount of reprimands means that you can't ref in the playoffs or like i don't know like what's the detriment to them I would love to know that. That is a great question. I feel like, uh, you know, we should reach out. We should DM that account and see what they have to say. I don't know. Like, JB got fined for criticizing. I mean, obviously, that's, like, right in the rule book. But what happens to that? To, like, I feel like the amount of time. Well, it's not Zach Zarba. That's, like, one key. I feel like we have him for, like, every other game. <laughs> but there are so many. Like, I can't remember who the, the ref, like, the like head Ref, that I feel like we see a lot of tonight. Tony Brothers. Um, Tony, oh my god, I'm not even gonna get into that. But <laughs> yeah, he ugh. Darius is probably not a huge fan of him. I don't think Darius is a fan of any ref, if I'm being honest. I mean, the no. dude got like <laughs> tonight. the dude received a full blown concussion from Kyrie's hip, and they were just like, ah, oh, you know what? <laughs> he slipped. It's yeah, whatever. Kyrie like fall. tries to do like look like OJ in like a murder trial, puts his hands up. He's like, nope, not me. I didn't do anything. It's cool. As Darius is like unconscious on the floor. Like, come on, guys. Yeah. And I know any people are listening out there. I know it sounds like we're just we're fitting and we're uh we're just kind of looking for scapegoats here, but it, it really honestly feels like this Cavs team is officiated differently than than most teams. Um, I don't know what that is. Maybe it's just bad luck. Maybe the, maybe Cleveland is just not being recognized as having like a true star level player out there yet. And they're not going to get those calls. Like Corey said, who the hell knows, but it's, it's damn frustrating. I have some great news though, for you guys. Uh, the, uh, the heat beat the Hawks. So we are in the eighth seed. Oh, they oh, did. Thank let's God. ride. Beautiful. <laughs> Beautiful. Is that locked? Does, Does that lock matter, in, but... in there? Uh, it's yeah. The, the, as of today, we are the eighth seed, but, I mean, obviously, <laughs> we have another gauntlet just waiting in front of us. Hopefully, Milwaukee, like you said the other night, hopefully they have nothing to play for. And they're like, well, we'll do y'all solid. Yeah, the Bucks have also recaptured the uh, second seed after their win over Boston yesterday. So, I mean, <laughs> good, good stuff, guys. <laughs> yeah, I don't. It, it was brutal tonight, to say the least. But uh, at least that's good news. Uh, that's a positive takeaway that has nothing to do with the gaps. So yeah, uh, I'm fine being the eighth seed now. Uh, let's just go to South Beach. I'd rather go to South Beach than go to Milwaukee. Good weather. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let right. the boys party. Get a little fiesta. Maybe going. that'll maybe that'll spread some enthusiasm, some positivity out there. But um, Dan, I want to ask you first: Is this? Is there a positive spin to this in regards to the Cavs players themselves? Like, can is there a confidence boost to, um, you know, to not having Jared Allen out there and and still feeling like they they could have walked away from this one if a couple of rotation uh, mistakes weren't made and some shots went their way? Yeah, I think they definitely um, can have that mindset. Uh, I think it's just. It, 
it's it's a young team in the last six to seven minutes of that game. I think there's things they can look back on. Um, JB can pull up the film and the, and the playback. And um, I think just going to the fourth quarter where they have that five-point lead, whatever it was, um, it just shows the amount of urgency throughout 48 minutes you have to have to beat teams like the Nets. Um, I mean, the Nets with their guys, I mean, obviously Ben Simmons, who knows there, but um, I just, I would just say it's uh, what teams with that level of talent and like veteran laden type. um, I think it was, I I popped on the other uh, like channel with AC and, um, John Michael um, briefly uh, on the other stream. And it was just basically, I think AC said that a team like the Nets, they can have two or two and a half minute stretches where they have like a 12 0 run and the game can essentially be done. I think it's just the Cavs can take that sort of thing away and um, just urgency throughout the whole game. I think that's just all I can really preach. Yeah. Um, I mean, I must say, you know, after that first half, I want to say the score was uh, 54 to 62, uh, something like that. And then having that third quarter burst that they had in which they scored, you know, they they outscored uh, Brooklyn 34 to 21. I, I thought it was safe to say at that point, hey, we're experiencing some sort of like a small Cavalanche here. Uh, Cavs went on a run, I think an 11-2 run to close the third quarter. And I thought that this game was legitimately within the Cavs reach. But again, like you said, we know that with the players that Brooklyn has, that they are prone to get hot and they can shoot their way out of just about any situation. We just saw that happen to New York the other day, right? That was uh, that was brutal, to say the least. <laughs> I went to bed thinking like, you know what? This is going to be a good night. <laughs> the Nets are going to stay where they belong in the basement. And that's fine. And then we wake. I woke up. At least I bet everyone else was probably watching it because I'm just a really shitty NBA follower, I guess. Oh, I, was, <laughs> I was I was New York's number one fan that night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I just I woke up and I'm like, honestly, not surprised. I've, Reality I've, I've watched yeah. a lot of Nick games this year, and it seems like they just fall flat randomly at quarters. Like the Cavs fall flat for like stretches of a game with their offense because they're not the most offensively talented team. Neither are the Knicks, but the Knicks go through quarters where they just are dead. Like, all right, it's like, all right, RJ or Quigley, please do something. Fingers crossed, because no one else is going to hit any shots for this team. I don't know if that says more like in that specific game and in tonight's game. I don't know if that says more about Brooklyn, like how dangerous they are, or if that it speaks to the individual teams, i.e. Knicks, Cavs themselves. So. I think I think when it comes to the playing the Nets, the Nets are not defensively a good team like at all. So it really just falls on your offense. And if you're going to hit shots, then you're going to be able to stay in contention with them because the the key to beating the Nets is to slow them down offensively because that's their only strength. I mean, their starting lineup has named one good defender that starting lineup had outside of KD. I mean, we Bruce Brown's Brown? a nice Bruce Brown's a very good player, but I'm not going to say like in terms of like elite defenders or like great defenders, Bruce Brown's in there. Bruce Brown's like a feel good, check all the boxes type player. So he's, he's kind of like a, a smaller Larry Nance jr. I mean, yeah, to an extent. I mean, I would say Nance is probably better individually, but yeah, it's, it's a fair take. Jack of all trades, master none, that kind of thing, I suppose for Brown. Um, one thing else that stuck out to me tonight, and I know we kind of made mention of the rotations in that fourth, Lamar Stevens only played 15 minutes tonight. 
is do you think if he had been given at least 20 to 25, he would have been more of a difference maker, Corey? I think when it comes to guarding Durant, yeah, that would have made a big difference because obviously Durant was the uh, kerosene on the fire for that fourth quarter for the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, if KD was like shooting at a, like a, a human level of efficiency and not the level that KD normally shoots at, this game is much more attainable for the Cavs. But like Dan pointed out in the beginning of the podcast, uh, Darius really was gassed probably from like the middle of the third quarter onward. 41 and, like, minutes tonight. Yeah, like if we're counting on Darius to go toe for toe with Kevin Durant while also needing to go through all these screens that defenders set for him the entire time, then the Cavs really just need to look in the mirror and be like, you know what, this is not attainable with this current plan. Let's try something else. Unfortunately, I think that plan was Karis Levert to allow Darius to have a little more breathing room, but that uh that was quickly ruined by Karis coming in, slapping. Uh, I don't remember who he specifically fouled and like immediately into the game. And then just JB's like, all right, well, your spot's pretty much open because you just <laughs> entered so you can go sit again. And that threw a wrench into like everything. Yeah. I mean, is uh, maybe, maybe it's a cop out, but I, I'm not going to put this solely on JB. We already know he's kind of working with some, some, some very, odd pieces and parts tonight man in prior games it was glad it, it was definitely a good sight to see evan mobley back out there but it's clear it, it has become damn clear to me that in a lot of these types of games jared allen is very much missed like you you're still seeing some defensive lapses from this team especially from you know on the closeouts much like you saw against orlando but not having a true rim to turn out there and we, we, we all laud Evan Mobley first defense, but he's not quite there yet um, in terms of on a Jared Allen level uh, in the post, at least. Yeah, they don't even defend the same way because like when no. Jared and Evan are both on the floor, they use like we've always say, like Evan's the free safety Switchable. of that defense. Yeah. He just runs the perimeter pretty much. He like is the one who alters all these shots, not Lowry Markinen, who seems to be it's either Lowry or Kevin that has to be the one to close out on these. And we, as we both know, those dudes sometimes look like no, Kevin blocks. <laughs> even the, that block by Kevin Love tonight, that was awesome. Was nice. Oh my God. I, I think I tweeted like, Kev, where has this come from? Like, come on. That was awesome. <laughs> Yeah, Kevin Kevin's closeouts this year have been actually pretty good, and I, I, and the charge thing, like he, he's been able to do that in years past. It's just, I mean, we haven't seen it since like LeBron was around. But yeah, I I think the broadcast they made mention that he was tied with Blake Griffin. Yeah, who? Yeah, well, that's impressive from Blake Griffin, actually. Yeah, he's completely switched up his play style. Uh, I mean, he's had to, obviously. What, from <laughs> playing to, to inactive? Is yeah. that what we're saying? He switched his play style yeah, to? I mean, it's like those knees rest? He's making more heads-up plays. Like, I, I'm honestly, I think that of Kevin Love, too. Like, Dan says that he's shown that capability in the past, and maybe so, but he just it hasn't been as apparent because Kevin Love is in a much more simplified role, and he knows what he's out there to provide, and that's one of those things that sticks out. He's he's an excellent defensive rebounder still too. Yeah. I, I just think that's the other problem with Evan when he has to play when Jarrett's not in there. He has to be the primary rotator like inside, and then it, there are a number of opportunities tonight that Drummond had where he's just roaming around the dunker spot, and and we couldn't box him out. And I don't I don't even know how many putbacks he had. He must have had at least like five. Uh, yeah, speaking of Drummond, so. in twenty four minutes. Guy put up a double double, fifteen points, twelve rebounds on seven eleven shooting, and 
I mean, as much flack as that guy took, I mean, Corey, we say this a lot now. Andre Drummond is not a bad basketball player. He just tried to do a little bit too much with the Cavs. No, I think the thing with Maybe Andre, a little bit. I think Andre, <laughs> yeah. I love point Drummond. What are you talking about? That was awesome. Yeah, uh, full court, full court, uh, walking the ball all the way down, man. That Shaq didn't a fool moment where he just like hucks the ball up into the rafters was single-handedly one of the best moments of the Cavaliers stretch. But Andre Drummond's also like the issue with Andre Drummond was always that he was put into the star category because like oh, yeah. you look at those stats and you're like, these are like 2K level stats. 30, 30 and 20s. On, and then when like the contract gets slapped onto someone, you automatically, if they aren't a superstar and you're watching them and being like, wait, this isn't like a $100 million player. This is like a glorified center just doing his job and now that he's just being a starter on the nets this is like perfect for him like he's i feel like he's gonna get a lot more respect in the league again and honestly good for him i liked him he's a he's a good dude i don't think there's like anything wrong with him he doesn't seem like an asshole or anything he just seems like a a a guy having a good time out there and i love him (laughs) yeah I mean, it was nice to see that Brooklyn like pretty much had all of their centers in foul trouble pretty much throughout the game. I thought that was like going to kind of skew our way towards the end, but it turns out actually we just unlocked the lineup that we didn't want to see where then Katie just roamed to the five. And then it kind of looked like a a version of small ball from like the Warriors days. I was getting like PTSD from the finals. It's funny you should say that because I was thinking that same thing when Andre started getting trouble. I'm like, I do not want to see a small ball Nets lineup because they're just going to shoot the lights out. Yeah. Uh, On the Yes Network broadcast, they were like, oh, this is actually one of their most efficient lineups throughout the season. And I'm like, oh, thank God we unlocked that. (laughs) That's great. Why couldn't we just foul hunt someone else like Bruce Brown? (laughs) (laughs) So like every time Claxton came in, you felt like he got two whistles every like second. And it's like, God damn it. I want Claxton on the floor. It just I don't know. It, it was funny like that tonight, and that's often the case with with the Cavs. I mean, the depth has been tested incredibly, and unfortunately, this team doesn't have like a. Do you really think there's a great small ball lineup the Cavs have right now? Feel free to answer either one of you, <laughs> please. <laughs> I would love to <laughs> unlock that level. Uh, is there seriously? Is there a is there a true small ball lineup that this team can roll out to and be effective? No, because they're all going to have some huge defensive flaw to them. I mean, like you, in order to have small ball effectively offensively, it means you're going to have to have some variation of Love and Laurie in there. And in order to do that, you're going to have to take Mobley out, which really hurts your offense or your it's defense. Fall on like every possession defensively. <laughs> it's basically a runaway transition or open corner three, like the yeah, entire the time. Uh, it seems like every. St- Every Seth Curry three, I just feel like like my was just like <laughs> it's like, and they were just so incredibly wide open too. And, and each uh, each one of those was just so crushing. It's like, and this dude is had some ankle soreness. It's like, it, like he could have had a cup of coffee each on each one of them. <laughs> yeah, um, he, the Currys, you know, they suffered from those ankles. Um, but damn, can they shoot? It's it's just something. <laughs> Something about them curries, I guess. I was gonna say, what are the like when like they were created in the lab? They're like, all right, well, they're gonna be godly three point shooters, but to compensate for it, we'll give them weak ass <laughs> ankles. <laughs> we'll we'll see how that balances out. <laughs> oh man, I just I'm I'm glad we can laugh about these things right now. But holy shit, man, that game was just <laughs> seriously frustrating uh, from from all aspects. 
I don't know. I just can't get over the second chance opportunities. Like that was really just like the kick to the family duels. Do that, bro. I mean, how do you how do you only grab seven rebounds, Evan Mobley? Honestly, I I want to know that. I think he's in. I want to say. I mean, I could be wrong, but I, I think he's in like the bottom ten of bigs, like what are qualified as bigs in rebounding percentage, though this year defensively. I, so, I think that all comes down to his lack of strength. Because yeah, like, that it, dude can't muscle through anything. That dude would get outboxed by Bruce Brown every day of the week. I guarantee it. <laughs> if like, but also the Cavs issue is every time a shot is hucked up from the three point line, that team crashes the glass as if it was a layup opportunity. Like there's no one in the mid range whatsoever to get that chance that it hits the back iron. That's what every second chance opportunity looked like for that Cavs team. I felt like a three point co- attempt was put up, and then it just bounced all the way out past the free throw line. And then one of the guards could just pick it up and reset every single time. Very yeah, our, our guards and wings really I, I, like, I guess I would think a would, would like contribute as a rebounder a little, but I mean, I guess he's an on ball defender a hell of a lot. Oh, okay. Yeah. So just, I'm glad you brought hurts. him up. I, I'm really glad hurts. you brought Isaac Okoro up because tonight is yet another night in which Isaac Okoro failed to crack double digits. Three points tonight, two shot attempts. He was invisible. Two shot attempts for Isaac Okora. I know a lot of his energy was expended trying to defend the likes of Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant for certain stretches. But, man, you have got to get more production from him in, in that regard. You, you, you just you have to. And so I hate to ask this question because, you know, I, I, I kind of ride or die with – Isaac Okoro, I made the crazy prediction to begin the season that Isaac Okoro would be in the running for most improved player because based upon his month of May from last season, I really honestly thought we were due to see some type of uptick. But with that said, I do have to ask this. Is it fair to question whether or not you should be handing some of Isaac Okoro's minutes off to a guy like Lamar Stevens? I feel like – I, I know think neither could, of you guys want to answer that one. Uh, no, I um, I feel like with Isaac in general, I know I I'm always going to be content with him being on the floor solely for defensive purposes, and I always consider his offensive game uh, a work in progress. So getting anything from it, kind of like I think his offensive game is so situational. Also, his like he as we both as we all know, he thrives in transition. This was not a game in which the Cavs are really a transition threat. I felt like I think most of our offense was actually generated in the half court, which was like a pretty stark difference from how I've been seeing this offense operating in the past few weeks. But uh, in terms of giving it to Lamar, I kind of view what they bring to the team overall kind of the same. It's just that Lamar always shoots with more confidence than Isaac does. And that can be a good thing or it could be an awful thing. So it's not like I'm going to sit here and be like, I wish Isaac Okoro took like 10 shot attempts tonight in order for his value to be there. Because let's not act like Isaac Okoro taking 10 shots means he makes like six of them. It could be like he shot two for 10. Like you just can't predict that type of stuff. And if it wasn't in the flow of the offense then, and JB wasn't really running any sets for him or he, Isaac wasn't doing anything in particular that was that eye catching, then I'm fine with the minutes. I didn't feel like we lost this game solely off of Isaac Okoro or anything else related to him. So I'm fine with the way the minutes are personally. That's completely fair. Dan, care to weigh in on that one? Yeah, I, that's a reasonable take from Corey. Um, yeah, he, he really makes guys work. Um, was was getting into Kyrie 
um, a good bit. And I thought he did a solid job in, in that regard. And, and typically, at least, I mean, there's some issues. Like, he, he got worked by Markel Fultz the other night. But there's still some, like, I feel like the lateral quickness from him is not as good as I originally thought. It can be an issue at times, but generally he's solid on that end of the floor. Um, but in this one, in these bigger matchups, like I, I get that. Yeah. Lamar makes, there's going to be some, some lumps offensively in terms of like him being more of a self-starter, but I kind of, if there's somebody that's like a deep bench guy, I would rather them play like not tentatively. Like sometimes with Isaac, it's like, dude, I get that. Like, yeah, you kind of like, there's some corner threes and and he's not going to take a a high volume of shots, but taking two shot attempts in 28 minutes in this kind of game is ridiculous. Like you need to be more assertive than that and find ways to like a lot of the time, like if you have somebody like Kyrie or or even at times Patty Mills on you, you have to use your size, man. Like he he needs to get some of an offensive game off the bounce. And at least when you get like Nick Claxton, if you're going to snake the PNR a little bit and you can't take like if you can't generate free throws in those situations, he needs like tonight, his minutes should have been, 23 instead of 28 like he was not he was literally invisible offensively and at times he can create really like productive ball swings like a lot of the time I I I do appreciate when he does that I even thought in the match game he did but I I get that they don't want him to to have too much on an an offensive plate but again like I, I get it's just a formal like positional thing but if you're out there at the two you you have to find ways to get to the free throw line or self start a little bit. Like his lack of pull up game, even like remotely, is just so like to me it's it, it is such a glaring problem that is really annoying. I feel like when it comes to what I think about Isaac Okoro's glaring issue is that he's just he should be way more active off ball than he is in terms of like backdoor cuts. I mean Chris Manning always tweets. I feel like every game like whenever he actually does a cut, it's like, hallelujah. And honestly, like he's such a freak athlete that he just doesn't use it enough off ball to at least be a, like suck in the defense and require a little more attention that way. Like, because he has been, he did also prove to be a decent shooter in the past few months from the three point line as well. And if that's not going to present itself, at least present itself in a different way as well. And that's the only way I can really see that happening. Here's the thing. Over Isaac Coral's last 10 games, he's averaging seven points. And, I mean, to your point, Corey, he is shooting um, right around 60%, I want to say, from three-point range. He's actually at 56.3, so it's up there. But the problem is the attempts. Less than two, 1.6 attempts. And I know we think of him as a pretty decent cutter and whatnot. We've seen a lot of that in his game. But for me... Um, the problem is the lack of of I, don't, I guess maybe it's in game flow as you attribute it to maybe you, you don't want him taking shots just to kind of get them up and out there like we often ask Dylan Windler to. <laughs> um, but to have two to have two shot attempts in a game that big, I just it, to me it's inexcusable. I take nothing away from the guy defensively because he is every bit the you know worth the price that they pay for him on that end but on that end alone 
I'm I'm not down on Isaac Okoro. I'm not advocating for benching him or anything like that or taking serious minutes away from him. But I do have to wonder, like, why? Like, why are you not? Why are you at least not attempting something like five to six? I think he. They need to tell him in the off season he has to develop a pull up. Like, it, even if he shoots it twice a game, it, it is so glaring because people just really lay off him and. If it's set offense, like he can at times, like at times just go drive in, you know, and he has kind of a loose handle, so it's not really going to mean much in, in set yeah. offense. Well, I mean, but again, Dan, like you see, like Lamar, we saw Lamar doing those types of things, like the mid range pull up. At well, he also State. went to college for four years. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we, it, we it, that's where it was Lamar do that developed, and, and he he was doing yeah. it as like a small ball four too, though. Like he mm-hmm. he can take advantage of mismatches. At least with a coral, like he doesn't, he weighs pretty a similar weight. He's but sturdy. He, he he just can't utilize it enough, and that that's the next step. <clears throat> yeah, that's fair. Yeah. When you looked at Isaac Okoro as a draft prospect, I, no one was ever looking at that being like, oh, well, this is the part of the offensive game that really he seems like will translate to the NBA. It's like, all right, what do you get when you draft Isaac Okoro? You're going to get freak athleticism and you're going to get a really energetic defender. And those are the two things he still does overall. And I, I just can't sit here and be like, oh, man, and like pound my fist on the table that in year two, Isaac Okoro hasn't turned into Jimmy Butler <laughs> Look, or like developing ain't nobody more saying that, man. Ain't nobody saying that, but two damn attempts. Come on. Like, I just also think like, you know, it's hard for him to find his shot in the game flow or constantly incorporating other guards back into the mix. Like it was easier for him when it was just him and DG out there. But with Levert and Rondo back, I'm not saying Rondo takes shot attempts away, but that takes a lot of the ball out of his hands. Mm-hmm. We were seeing like, him also operating as a primary ball handler at times. Yeah. Oh, he'd probably be a better screener on ball like than Mobley. Maybe they should try that <laughs> and then get some inverted four on threes the other way. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, got to try something, I suppose. Um, we got one game left in the regular season until this playing thing starts. So, I mean, I don't know if now's the time to be tinkering that much. But, um, <laughs> can, Giannis, can, can Giannis just get some beers, like, on the sideline and then just have Quaker steak? Like, is that cool for this? Get him game? a galley boy, right? So. Get him a galley boy. <laughs> yeah, that's next. I'll take any of the three of Milwaukee deciding to sit out. I'll take Drew and Middleton, and you can just have Giannis if you want. At least that will be competitive. <laughs> I mean, the one good thing that we know is that win or lose, Cavs are guaranteed that playing spot at least. Uh, We can take solace in that. But, again, like we said earlier, positioning does matter. Um, Just want to get your take on uh, this comment down here. Why did Cavs fans get pissed off when they themselves didn't think we'd be where we are? (laughs) I am the farthest thing from pissed off. (laughs) I'm just upset that we – we, the season is just falling this way at the very end. I don't, I'm not upset in general about the team. I love the the vibe of the team. Still the fact that these games actually matter is awesome. Yeah. And I don't think that could ever be uh, like, I can't un- overstate that enough. Like how much this is like a dream come true. Like I was going to be happy if we were competing for the 10th spot, like mm-hmm. having to fight for it at this point. And the fact that we're like having to settle for it is like icing on the cake. I mean, 43 and 38 that ain't bad at all for a team that many people thought finished below 30 wins uh dan what do you got to say about this man 
Yeah, I was going to say, I think you, what did you say, like 39 and 43 before the year? I was going to say, like, you, you're probably the most accurate prediction I, that anybody has had. I'm, that was me being wildly optimistic, too. Like, I, like, well, if I'm, yeah, if, if I'm going to sit here and say, hey, I thought that all of these things, like two, two all stars, uh, a serious defensive player of the year, you know, well, I don't know if you can call it Sears Defensive Player of the Year, but a, a guy who was considered at one point to be in contention for an all-defensive spot in, in his rookie season, um, maybe still the rookie of the year. Who knows if recency bias plays in in regards to Scotty Barnes. And don't look now, but Kay Cunningham's tearing shit up. Um, so he's been pretty good, too. It's easy to tear shit up when you had a few months rest. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I'm not gonna, I'm, I'm not gonna take that away from. Uh, no, I don't want to like uh, throw smoke at Kate. It's just more to defend yeah. uh, Evan Mobley. <laughs> yeah, I get it. I mean, we're we're biased, right? We we're Cleveland guys. We uh we we are obviously in uh, agreement that Evan Mobley should be the rookie of the year, right? <laughs> yeah, no, you can. Uh, you also can't count out all the uh, Rockets fans who are like, well, it's pretty cool to have two rookie of the year candidates with Sengun and Green. Jesus, Jalen uh, Green. That per 36 thing, I, I want to kill someone over. Oh. <laughs> I'd love to show you Ooh. Lamar's per 36. Oh, yeah, 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 whatever on that. Like, that's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> Moses Brown with their, uh, per 36 is Kareem Abdul-Jabbar on steroids. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh Andy Andy Mulak, Mulak, I'm happy with the season. We just took it to the nest without Allen. Yeah. I mean, that's a perfectly fine way to look at it. And if you had Allen out there, you could possibly spin this as a much closer loss or even a victory. So I don't know. I mean, there's it's not all negative as much as tonight's game kind of makes us all feel like a like it's a bummer and a missed opportunity. There's it's still positive outlook. Yeah, I, I don't think anybody honestly going to this game would have predicted a win. I mean, it just it, it, a game of this magnitude. Um, you have like a, a closer in KD that is is just a cheat code whenever shooting like that. It's it's not really to be unexpected. I mean, realistically, the game seemed closer to yeah. a large extent than that what it actually turned out to be. It was really that stretch heading down the fourth quarter because, again, that that third quarter and where they outscored the Nets, that really had most people thinking, hey, this is a perfectly winnable game. But like you said earlier, we we know what the Nets are capable of offensively, and they can shoot themselves out of any situation. Hayden just wanted to pull this up. No, we didn't think we were talking about us. <laughs> uh, just in general, we, we've seen like social media, Caps Twitter can overreact to just about everything. So uh, no hard feelings there. Um, another question we got down here from Andy. Um, did you think we pulled Caleb too early? He was grabbing some serious boards. Dan, I'll let you have a crack at that one. Well, I just think they had to have Lowry in there a little bit. Um, and I, I thought he shot pretty well tonight, at least for me. And can, he was getting to pull-ups a little bit. Um, that's, a, that's a fair point. I just think there were times when he, he definitely was targeted. Like, they would swing, swing, get him where he'd have, have to close out a little bit. At least with Lowry, he can be in the zip code. And that I, I just think what they did was was realistically fine. They had to have some physicality in there. And Kevin might have been – there seemed like there were some stretches, or I should say sequences, where he did seem a little more gassed than usual. So I, I wasn't wasn't really a huge takeaway to me personally. Yeah. Corey, what are your thoughts on that one? 
No, I 100% agree with Dan. Like, Kevin Love is not a player. As much as I always, like, scream his name from the heavens, is not a player I want to see in this, <laughs> like, closing. Yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't want to see Kevin closing games for us unless we, like, it's, like, we need a three-point shot with, like, two seconds left because that dude is, like, not going to show any defensive gas coming towards the end of the game. He puts all of his energy into those pub fakes that get people flying in the air on the other side. And then resetting. Yeah, I love that, man. Like how many times have we seen the guy step out to three-point range, pump fake a guy into oblivion, and reset and make? Yeah, then we saw Darius do his best Ricky Rubio impression where he came back and transitioned and did the little scoop pass back to Kevin. And I was like, oh, my God, can we just do this like way more times like why is this like only sporadically thrown into your bag darius yeah i don't know uh next question up here does Karis try to do too much on offense how can Cavs use him better i think that darius uh oh my god Karis is uh he's finding his flow into the offense more i complained early that i felt like i i was happy that he was putting attempts up but i feel like he does like his own little iso ball game a little too often and we're still seeing like 20% of that in his game, which is mm-hmm. fine because if it he's feeling it offense a bit, it, it really it can have guys watching. Yeah. But it has been more like it, it, he seems to kind of know when he's on more, he has more of a pulse on his game. Cause I feel like when he does it now, it's not like aggravating. Like you want to rip your eyeballs out watching it. It's more like, all right, I've hit my past few shots. Now I'm kind of feeling it. I'm going to do it. Not let me start my game by just trying to do my best uncle drew impression in front of you. <laughs> Uncle Drew, Dan, <laughs> what you got to say about that man? Yeah, I, I agree with Corey. Um, I, I think it, just naturally he's going to be uh, a guy that has to self self start some. I mean, he's not really a guy that you know. Like, there's some instances where he's going to try to take step back or, or kind of sidestep threes. That I mean, they're that's just, that's not really what you want, but. I mean, at times, like, we need a guy that can be that other driving threat, at least, like, kind of down-the-alley type dude, um, or at least, like, inside PNR. I think he does that pretty well. And and I, I get that, yeah, people are, are probably going to look at the on-off splits and think, like, oh, my God, he's been <laughs> terrible. Like it, you have to realize the dude had missed, what did he miss, nine games post-All-Star yeah. with the foot thing. He's coming into a new situation um he's gonna have like you have to expect him to like not every player is like a no dribble and shoot guy and he's gonna get to mid-range pull-ups like that's a key part of his game and he he's finding ways it it seems to balance to at least to me i think he's showing that he can balance the scoring and like secondary facilitating stuff I, i i think like a lot of his assists like are not going to be like as glamorous as Darius, but they move the ball at least initiate skip feeds. Like we missed some key ones in the first quarter. I mean, we were ice cold from three for a while. Um, but I, I think he's, you have to trust the process with him. And we just, we don't, we're so devoid of having like those secondary driving threats. Like they, they need him to self-start. I think yeah. he's been fine. Especially with no Colin out there. I so was I guess say, a, yeah, like a, no a, shit. Um, a, a fair <laughs> question. in the room. <laughs> Uh, a fair question for you, Dan, because I don't think I've actually, um, you or Corey, I don't think we've actually gotten to hear your point of view on this. So we know Karis LeVert is 17 games into his Cavalier tenure. Um, 17, that's it. And just purely based upon what you've seen from him so far, 
can you justifiably say that this, I, and I want this, your true opinion on this, you know, and, um, you know, I'll get Corey's in a second, but can you justifiably say that the Cavs trade for Carousel Vert was worth it at this point? Yeah. <laughs> like, what, why the hell would they have not done that? Um, I think the biggest issue to me before was the, um, or I guess with him is he's had continual injury problems um, throughout his career. Um, that to me, like, I, I can't say certainly if he'll be extended or not. I think that's kind of a key hiccup. Yeah. And obviously we know with, with Colin, like they're, they're going to have to have those conversations behind closed doors, what have you. But um, yeah, I think they, it, it's not, and at least with Kobe, I mean, he got it lottery protected. And at this point they could very well end up keeping that pick with, with how I, I don't really trust this set to be, to be Charlotte. I really don't. Um <laughs> Just, just my thought. Um, so, I, yeah, I, they, I, given the Rubio situation, like they cashed in pretty much on that, and and they needed a guy that could create his own offense. Quite frankly, whether people aesthetically and analytically want to critique that, whatever. Um, no, I, I don't blame Kobe and company for doing that at all whatsoever. Even though I'm not like the biggest Karis guy, but, yeah, of course. <laughs> Oh, you've heard our takes on that. We were calling him the uh, older, less efficient, injury-prone version of Colin Sexton before the deal went down. But now that he's on the Cavs, you can't really shit-talk him too much. Um, <laughs> and we, we we Honestly, I think we can both say, Corey, that we're, we're – Karis LeVert is, is what the Cavs needed in a sense. Um, he hasn't been perfect, but I'd love to hear you elaborate on that too. Oh, no, yeah. I, um, I think Karis is fine. I wouldn't say I'm like – I'm kind of in the middle. I don't, I don't hate the move. I don't think I was really ever going to hate the move because at the end of the day, that's the exact like the role that the Cavs needed filled. Mm-hmm. And we weren't going to get that from anyone else on the team pretty much, unless we were getting hypothetical Dylan Windler, I guess, but that has been long gone for <sighs> months and months and months. And that is buried. And it, I said to Mac uh, in the last podcast that Dylan Windler better hope that we make the playoffs because if that lottery pick cashes in, that's going to be Dylan Windler's roster spot probably next season because they're going to trade for a guy who will actually willingly take shots. Yeah, that I don't know, man. I'm not even going to – I will not even utter one singular word about Dylan Wendler other than mentioning his name. So I'm not I'm not going to touch that because I'm, I'm going to contact American <laughs> Express and see if that Jersey reinsurance policy works for one I bought like three <laughs> years ago <laughs> because I have that still waiting. Are you going to tell us you have an anti-Zizich jersey again? No, it's going to be like a uh, uh, a K Felder. Oh, vintage. (laughs) (laughs) A one of one. Believe it or not, me and his mom are the only two owners of that jersey. Oh, man. (laughs) With that said, um, you know, it was was a brutal loss tonight, um, you know, but the Cavs still, like I've continued to say throughout this uh, post-game edition, the, the future is still in their hands. They'd still control their own destiny, whether or not they're going to head to the playoffs, but the the path just became tougher. Um, you cannot expect other teams to really give you some help here. It's great that you said Atlanta lost, right? Yeah. Great that they did that, but we cannot rely upon other teams to really support the Cavs' efforts in that regard. So they have to – they're going to control their own destiny. Um, hopefully Jared Allen comes back. But, I mean – if this all ends in a playoff or a play-in loss, I'm okay. I'm okay just because nobody expected the team to be here in the first place. 
But with that being said, I do have to also point out the fact that with this, the way this season started, I sure, uh, sure didn't see it engine this way. No. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely not. No. Yeah. So it's it, from that aspect, it's brutal. Like it, it's tough to see such a promising season go to shit um, towards the end. It's not over yet. Um, it's far from over. Yeah. I mean, they, you never know what can happen. I'm not counting this Cavs team out. Uh, no matter who they play in the play in, but I'd be remiss to, you know, to, to not state the obvious here. And that's that this season um, when viewed in that light is, is a bummer, uh, but overall it's been great. Yeah. Overall, you can't really, at the end of the day, wide scope, can't complain about that much. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, Dan, you you know all too well, you know, in our prior conversations how high I was on them. But, um, you know, just being realistic here, I I, I can't say that we, we none of us probably thought that they'd be in the position they are after the hot start they had. Yeah, unfortunately, um, just injuries, second year in a row, really. I mean, even last year, like they. They had it was an outside shot, but it seemed like there were some crushing injuries then too. Um, yeah, they had like, Larry, but Dean Larry. Wade we found was a rotational player. So yeah, um, Kevin Larry, Larry, that Larry injury was really brutal at at a certain point. That Which was, one? Uh, <laughs> yeah, Which one? Like, when is really? when did he play? Like, <laughs> I mean, he had a stretch in which he was very, very. No, uh, I'm sure with you. Yeah, <laughs> the first quarter yeah, of the no. season, he was the MVP. The defensively, especially, um, I think he was in the top two or three in regards to like steals or deflections or something like that. I can't remember. Yep, I think it was and both. We, and we've really gotten lucky with Lori's injuries too. Like they've mostly just been COVID related, so this has been a slam dunk in Kevin terms too. of like getting bodies. Yeah, but like when I we traded for Larry Nance initially, I was like, oh great, so we trade for another injury prone power forward that necessarily can't can do a lot less in a lot of other areas than what Larry Nance was doing. Just as Larry Nance was getting his three ball to fall, we trade for a three point only power forward. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Sorry, there's a storm going on out here. <laughs> I kind of just want like them to just tank this playing game just for so we can get Ben Mather in the draft. Like that. Was, Come on, I'm man. joking, but I feel like if they can keep if they can keep that pick, it'd be huge. I, I don't, I don't, think I get it. I don't think so because I, I, I just feel like Miles Bridges is going to have like 35. I don't know. It's just. I don't know how he always plays twice. well against really Cavs. Oh, we can't like forget about Scary Hours. Matchup. Well, that too. Yeah, <laughs> Scary Hours <laughs> always shows up <laughs> against the maybe. Cavs. Yeah. Maybe Jay is back, but I, I don't. I don't know. I'm not. Really you don't think that sways the pendulum that. a little bit? Well, what's what's he going to look like? Too? I don't know. What did Evan Mobley look like? It. Come on, man. <laughs> oh, I don't two know. different injuries. I get it. I mean, it is what it is. Yeah, we'll I just looked at the uh, schedule, uh, the last games for the Hornets, Hawks, and uh, we're gonna be in the nine ten for sure. Yeah, uh, that's a lot because uh, Hornets are playing against Washington and the Hawks are playing against Houston. And unless uh, that Jalen Green can get that Rookie of the Year buzz going, uh, I don't really see a way <laughs> in which that's gonna turn our way. I will personally give Jalen Green Rookie of the Year if they can beat the uh, Hawks for us. Are you gonna personally go. hand it to him? Yeah, I'll just be like, I'm part of the academy. I'm not banned like Will Smith. Here you go. <laughs> Ten years. Jesus. 
Jeez Louise. Uh, okay, we're not. Yeah, we're not going to get into that one. <laughs> it's an we're Oscar not going to talk about that. Everybody's talked about that. I'm tired of it. Um, that said, uh, we can go ahead and bring things to a close tonight. Um, tough loss, but it was still good to see Cavs basketball that is relevant this far into the season. Um, whatever happens from this point, I think we can. It's all safe to say that we're happy um, in that regard. Like we always tell you guys, if you'd like to reach out to us, you can at it's Cavalier underscore Pod on Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, and more. If you'd like to be added to the exclusive It's Cavalier Discord chat, you can. You know what to do: leave a rating, leave a review on any medium that you listen or view on, and send that a screenshot, send proof. <laughs> to it's cavalier 53 at gmail.com and we will personally invite you into the discord chat Corey knows it's uh it's pretty popping in there <laughs> yeah i mean nah. but i also wanted to give a shout Fire out that we had someone um <laughs> actually at dean wade for us <laughs> so that was pretty cool we had any more dean wade ats here oh, that, i saw that the, and it just bummed me out it's off season goals for us. We will get Dean Wade when he's free. You know, he's just really busy right oh, now yeah. resting. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm reaching out to him doubly. Um, you know, putting in overtime trying to get him on the show at that you point. You should you should have Mark Price too. I tried. Mark I thought did, like I, I was excited. I was like trying I, to be like, Oh my god, Mac finagle that in in public on when Mark. he was you know, when I put that together, I had no intention of getting Mark Price's attention. Um, you know, like for real. I did ask him what he thought about the comparison on the actual you know on the guy shooting shot man yeah but after he started conversing with me i'm like okay maybe there's a legitimate chance here but you know it's it's very tough to get people players especially especially former players i feel like to i was gonna say i don't know how mark price would even know how to operate like a zoom call (laughs) if i'm being honest it's like when i joked that like ac when they were doing the Cavs nft collection i was like i would love if ac could explain to me what an nft is because I, I don't know what it is. I, no I want to know what, what he thinks it is. is. Dan, do you know? <laughs> I'm not going to get into the specifics now. <laughs> I don't want to be on the spot here. <laughs> I'm not a tech podcast. This would be too much for you guys to handle. All right. All right. Well, that be better said. than a better than AC. <laughs> that, that was funny when he did that, though. AC will just be like, all right, well, go Cavs. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's a great way to end it. Go Sweet. Cavs. It's honestly funny even when like John Michael talks about like some teams like defensive like efficiency or something. AC's like, yeah, sure. Well, he's not there. You know, he's not there. Like um, that reminds me of I don't know if you guys have been watching Winning Time. And they're uh, I think I I saw like the first half of the first. I thought it was really stupid. Like, I I don't get the love affair with it. I don't dude. It's it's I love John C. Riley, but I, I just I don't I don't see how it's entertaining. I don't know. I'm gonna kick you off the show just for saying. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I'll, the whole I'll die on that. Out. I'll die on that. Goal. I get it. Uh, I'd I rather it. like I'll just watch like the wire for the 58 times. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, everybody the has classics. their go-tos. Yeah, it, it's the office for me. That's my go-to, and I'm still a huge Walking Dead fan. Uh, but it's a solid one. Yeah, it is what it is at this point. Writing's carrying the show a lot now since Andrew Lincoln's departure. And I don't know how we got this far sidetracked, so I'm going to go ahead (laughs) and uh, close things out here. Again, go Cavs. You guys have a good night.
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.